Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the 17th Sunday after Pentecost. Our order of service is the service of the word that begins on page 38. Let's open right now with hymn number 499, O God of mercy, God of might. disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord 
Sunday after Pentecost is from Genesis chapter 50 verses 15 to 21 reading that takes place right at the end of the book of Genesis it tells us oh a sad story really when you get right down to it Joseph and well Joseph one of the 12 brothers Joseph's father had passed away and when he passed away, what happened is that the brothers who had sold Joseph into slavery, they didn't really believe that Joseph had forgiven them for their sin. And here Joseph assures them of his forgiveness. Sad story because for many years they didn't believe it. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sin of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Alleluia. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Alleluia. seven times? Peter thought he was being quite generous. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of God is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents, like 
millions of dollars, more than a person could ever really repay. A man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. That was the official practice back then. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. I often compare that to like about 20 bucks. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man throw into prison until he could pay the debt. Uh, again, that was a practice of the day. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. Of course, the lesson of the parable is we owe God a huge amount like the 10,000 talents and he's forgiven us. And because he's forgiven us, we'll want to forgive those who would sin against us because their debt is always like the hundred denarii, like the 20 bucks and not the millions or billions of dollars. Let's sing our second hymn. And that is hymn number 427, We Are the Lord's. Great. 
chapter 14, verses 5 to 9, where the Apostle Paul was inspired to write, One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God and he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in our reading, Paul is first speaking to the Roman Christians, of course, and then he's also speaking to you and to me when he says, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. But what does it mean to belong to someone or something? A student is, if a student is a member of a football team, well, then he belongs to that team. He belongs to that team, and it, since he belongs to that team, there are certain expectations that are made of him because he belongs in order to improve his skills at playing football. He's going to be faithfully, regularly in practice, working to build up his strength and his playing abilities, unless he has some sort of a valid excuse for or injury that keeps him from being there. What he's going to do is he's going to do absolutely everything that he can for the team. He's going to be at all of the games ready to play unless again there's some appropriate excuse or injury that keeps him away. Person belongs to any organization. Really, there are going to be expectations that are made of him. They're going to expect him to contribute to the group 
if a person doesn't plan to participate, if a person isn't going to contribute to the group, if a person isn't going to give his all to the group, well, it really kind of doesn't make any sense for that person to have a membership or to belong to that group. And now that's true of really any organization, whether it's a, a student football team or a professional football team, if it's a school organization, a health club, a, a church, or any other organization. Today, the Apostle Paul is telling us that through faith, we belong to the Lord. We Christians belong to the Lord, and we need to remember that. We belong to the Lord whether we are weak or strong in the faith. So Paul encourages us, let's live like we belong because the Lord made us belong to his believing family. Throughout the history of the Christian church, the church, the believers in that church are faced with troubles from within the church itself and from outside of the church as, as well. The unbelieving world around us is always going to make it hard for us to live like the Christians that we're supposed to be. And they'll do that by, for example, ridiculing us or even condemning us. Condemning us for, oh, being judgmental or even unloving when we confess that, oh, something like evolution, you know, believing that the world came into being over millions and billions of years without God. Or teachings like uh, abortion, euthanasia, homosexuality, gossip, lying, anger, hatred, and really for that matter, all sin. When we say that it's sin, we often will get accused of being judgmental or even unloving because of our stance. Of course, what really doesn't matter is what science or human opinion says in these regards. What matters is what God's Word says in these regards. That's what really matters. And, well, what God's Word tells us, it tells us not only what sin is, but thankfully it also tells us about the forgiveness of sins, about what Jesus did for us. And see, now that's what really matters. In, in Christianity, there's always been conflict because of struggles over what the Bible has to say. And there's also conflict because of different Bible interpretations. And sometimes I would say that that idea of the Bible interpretations, well, Maybe it's not Bible interpretations, but people denying what the Bible actually says. But see, those conflicts exist because the authority or truthfulness of Scripture is sometimes challenged or questioned. Or maybe one portion of Scripture is emphasized to the exclusion of another. 
instead of putting the entire message of Scripture together as a whole, as God would want us to. It's sad that such differences do exist and that there's conflict even amongst people who profess to be believers. But about those differences, the Apostle John said, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. False prophets. What is a false prophet? It's kind of important for us to recognize here that a false prophet doesn't have to be an unbeliever. Actually, even a believer, if he is proclaiming something that is contrary to the word of God, he could ultimately be a false prophet. If I were to speak to you and claim something is God's word when it isn't, then I'd be a false prophet and I'd need to be dealt with about my false teaching. We need to watch out for and fight against anything that would be contrary to Scripture, no matter how seemingly insignificant it might seem. If it agrees with, disagrees with Scripture, even in the littlest bit, and that's because anything that disagrees with Scripture is kind of like cancer that, well, it probably always starts out small, but then what happens is that it wants to grow and it wants to take over, and that's what sin does in our lives. It wants to, if it starts small, it wants to grow and get bigger and take over in our lives. So we need to watch out for false doctrine. If, for example, uh, a church teaches something that is contrary to what the Word of God has to say, we won't join that church, even if it has a lot of great things going for it. Let's say you go to a church, it teaches false doctrine, but it's so friendly. It has great food. It has a great singles group or Sunday school club, Sunday school class. Those things are all very nice, but the most important thing that a church can offer is the truth of God's Word. That's what's really important the truth of God's Word, that the Word of God is taught in its truth and purity. Even in churches that agree on Bible teachings, there, there still can be the tendency to disagree on things about about which scripture is silent on. And we can struggle in those things because sometimes we can be weak in our faith. Often we can be weak in our faith. In, in the Roman congregation, some Roman Christians had questions regarding their diet and the question that they had, well, the Holy Scriptures didn't really address that issue. And now in Rome, understand that many sacrifices were made to pagan gods, idol gods. And then what happened is that the meat from those sacrifices was often sold in local meat markets. And 
And the problem that Roman Christians had is they said, you know, we can go to the meat market and we can buy something for dinner and we never know for sure if it was sacrificed, meat that was sacrificed to an idol or not. So should we eat something like that? And, well, the scriptures are silent on whether or not that would be appropriate. So the Roman Christians were free to do what they wanted to do in that instance. Maybe some people felt it was wrong, and therefore if they felt it was wrong, if their conscience said that they shouldn't do it, then they shouldn't eat that meat. But if another Christian felt get a good deal on this. Why shouldn't I eat it? Well then, he can go ahead with that. But now no matter how a person deals with something like that, the, if, if, it, if it's a matter that's not spoken about in scripture, then the fact of the matter is, is that we're not to judge those who may have come up with other ideas or an other plan of action than we may have come up with. Paul said, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Our God has given us a good deal of Christian freedom. And now when we think about Christian freedom, we can say, well, God hasn't told us what form of liturgy or order of service we're supposed to use in our church service. He doesn't say that pastors are supposed to wear white or black robes or even that they're supposed to wear robes at all. He doesn't tell us what our churches should look like. He doesn't tell us on which day of the week we're supposed to gather for worship. He just does tell us, of course, that we should gather for worship. That we want to he doesn't tell us how many, how often we should meet with different church meetings. But now concerning those things, what Paul says is this, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Whatever we do in matters that are not commanded by God, we'll want to do in a way that's beneficial for, for the group, for all of us together, what's most spiritually beneficial for all involved and do that according to our conscience according to our conscience conscience here always plays a big part in what we would do plays a big part in matters of faith and life for example the scriptures do not say that it's wrong to have beer or wine to drink such things in moderation but for some people it may go against their conscience to have something to drink if a person says his conscience says don't do it then you, you don't want to do it you don't want to do it but that doesn't mean that they should condemn those who use their Christian freedom to have something to drink in moderation are we weak or strong in our faith? The fact of the matter is, is that when people are asked that question, usually what people like to do is think of themselves as being strong in their faith. But that's not always going to be the case. I, 
I answer a question, how am I weak or strong in my faith? It depends on what time of the day it is. Because the strength or weakness of my faith and of your faith, it's going to vary greatly from day to day, maybe even from hour to hour. That's just kind of the way it is. We're always going to be stronger in our faith when we're close to God and His Word, when we're regularly and faithfully worshiping our God, studying His Word. Then we're going to be stronger in our faith. But then if we neglect the Word and worship and Bible study, then it only makes sense that we'd end up being weaker in our faith throughout our Christian lives. There are going to be those times when the weakness, strength of our faith is going to vary. But when we're weak, then it's important for us to know the strength that God and His Word gives us. And, and when we're strong, well, then it's also important for us to remember the the strength that God and His Word gives to us because that strength and that that strength only comes from God Himself. Whether we are weak or strong, let's remember that since the Holy Spirit has graciously called us to faith, He'll be with us to help us, to keep us in the faith, and to help us always through the Word when we hear the word when we worship our God, then he'll help us to get stronger. But let's watch out for any and all error that, like a cancer, would threaten to eat away at our faith. Well, through faith, we belong to the Lord. Whether we're weak or strong in our faith and since we belong to him there are certain expectations that God has of us he wants us to act like to live like we belong to the Lord Paul said for none of none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone our lives are to be dedicated to the Lord so that so that in all that we do, we believers do, we serve the Lord and the spread of his kingdom and glorify God even in our death. Since we know that we can die knowing we have peace with God because of everything that Jesus has graciously done for us. We know that when we die, what's happening? God is calling us to our eternal home. And so what we can do is we can commend our souls confidently and joyfully into God's hands. Paul says, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. But what Jesus, what Scripture is saying here of us is that what God really wants to see is total dedication in our lives to Him because of all He's done for us. Well now, most of you know that I'm a preacher's son. And one thing that 
bothered me as I was growing up because one thing that bothered me as I was growing up as a preacher's son was the fact that my parents seemed to and, and maybe the congregation that I grew up in expected me to, because I'm the preacher's son, expected me to be a model child and maybe I fought against that a whole lot more than I really should have. Trying to prove to everyone else that I was like everyone else. During my teenage years especially, I didn't want everybody to think that I was different and I think I did a good job of, of proving that. But see, now that was my sinful nature speaking. I didn't want to look like a preacher's kid. So in reality, what I was doing is saying that I didn't want to look like I belonged to the Lord. See, now we all have a sinful nature that tries to get us to act like we don't belong to the Lord. Our sinful nature, it usually does a pretty good job of convincing us that it's more fun not to look like we belong to the Lord, but to look like everyone else. Oh, for example, which would we rather do? Praise and worship God or sleep in on a Sunday morning? Read and study God's word or go shopping? Spend time in prayer or, or watch TV? Surf the internet? Play video games? Sinful nature is always going to work to try to convince us that those other things are, are more fun and more enjoyable than praising and worshiping our God. Sinful nature doesn't want us to spend that time close to God and His Word because our sinful nature doesn't want us to be strong in the Lord. So let's not neglect God and His Word. May our God help us to act like, to live like, we belong to the Lord and to appreciate the blessings we have because we belong to the Lord. When Paul says here, none of us lives to himself alone, let's remember the responsibility that we have, well, especially here thinking of our fellow Christians how we need to be here regularly and faithfully working to encourage and strengthen and build up one another in our faith in our Savior Jesus Christ. Well, let's remember that we belong to the Lord only because the Lord made us belong. Paul said, for this very reason Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Our Lord Jesus, he dedicated his entire life to serving you and me. He lived and died. He lived and died not really for himself, but for you and for me. He gave his life so that even though our lives are full, full of sin, even though we in no way deserve it, he gave his life so that we could look forward to eternal life in heaven. 
and we can look forward to those eternal blessings because of Jesus. And now because Jesus lived and died for us and because the Holy Spirit made us believers in our Savior, we can joyfully and victoriously say, we belong to the Lord. Through faith, we belong to the Lord. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Through faith, we belong to the Lord. So what we'll want to do is hold to or cling to absolutely everything that our Savior taught us and never budge an inch where our Savior speaks. However, in matters where Scripture is silent, we have Christian freedom to act according to our conscience and according to what's best for the body of believers around us. May God help us always to act like, to live like we belong to the Lord and to really treasure the fact that through faith we belong to the Lord. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Apostles' Creed. It's on page 41. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that your mercy and grace may always go before and follow, follow after us, that loving you with undivided hearts, we may be ready for every good and useful work. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, in our prayers, we continue to keep all of those in our prayer list dealing with different trials and troubles and aches and pains. And we especially think of Stan Krosick, at Holt Senior Care and Rehab Center. Think also of Paula Burris dealing with her leg issues and, and well, we think of everybody on our prayer list and we say, Lord, if it's your will, grant healing. But Lord, we always keep saying, give to them, give to us that peace of God which surpasses all understanding. 
Build us up, strengthen us in our faith in our Savior Jesus. Help us always to remember that because of you and your grace and your mercy, we belong to you and we can look forward to eternal life in heaven. And we gather up all of the prayers we have tonight, today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Thank you again for joining me for worship today couple of announcements to share with you. Well, this week, Wednesday through Friday late, I'll be heading over to Wisconsin again. I'm going to a Packer-Lion football game up at Lambeau Field. Also be spending some time with my dad as well while I'm over there looking forward to that. In the congregation, uh, this week, Sunday is Pete Dillingham and Kayla Wilzinski's birthday. Monday and Tuesday, I'll be Monday all day and Tuesday morning at a pastor's conference at Zion and Lansing. Wednesday is Nettie Flory's birthday. Thursday, Rachel Lowry's birthday. Saturday, Isabel Hanzo has a birthday and Burr and Elizabeth Webb have an anniversary. Because I will be gone, there is no Wednesday worship this week. There might be a Tuesday afternoon worship if I can gather some people together. If you're interested in that, please, please let me know. I told you about, well, Paula Burris continues to deal with leg issues, leg circulation issues. Stan Krozik seems to be coming along a bit at old senior care and rehab place, getting antibiotics that, well, he's supposed to be there for a total of about six weeks. He's been there about a week now, I believe. I think that's what I have for announcements right now. Thank you again for joining me for worship. The Lord bless and keep you always.